Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Ramalama ding dong, y'all. My name's Noel. They call me Ben. You are you and you're the most important part of this show. Thanks for dropping by to stuff they don't want you to know. It's really good to see you. I'm really sorry about that, Ramalama ding. I was just trying something new. I thought it was good. We, well, no, no. I was talking, was... I was talking to, to him or her that is listening. Noel, come on. Oh, my bad. To all of them. Wait, look at me making it all about me. <laughs> You've got a song in your heart, my friend. Uh, Let it out. We are <laughs> we are vast. We contain multitudes, according to Walt Whitman, and we're not any of us a single solitary thing. But due to the nature of today's episode, we do want to establish at the beginning that we are not doctors. This is true. Uh, no MD here, at least. Uh, no, any. I'm not a physician's assistant. Not an RN. Nope. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I guess we should amend that because, uh, your, uh, Noel is, uh, a music doctor. I'm a doctor of funk. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's not even true. And Matt's a, Matt's a love doctor, doctor uh, of love. Well, you know, 
We're going to leave it there, man. Uh, but seriously, this is not medical advice. This is, however, a pretty scary story, and it starts off so sweetly. Oh, Today we're talking about sugar. We're going to tell it to you completely. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we could talk about some of our personal experiences. Are you guys fans of sweets, sweet things? I used to be much more so, but in my cantankerous old age, I feel like I have sort of uh, soured to the sweet. I'm much yeah. more of a savory guy. Back before my house stuff works days, Mountain Dew was my lifeblood. Oh, the monster days after that, right? Uh, yeah, monster without sugar though. Oh. I've never been a sugary energy drink person, but the Mountain Dew, my God, I don't, oh. I don't particularly eat sweet things. I used to love soda. That was the one exception, mm-hmm. and the um. And I'm sure my dentist is grateful for that. But the, uh, the one thing that I always found weird in social situations is if someone offers you a piece of cake because it's somebody else's birthday, you're kind of obligated to at least take a piece. And that would be the only time that I would have a sweet because people were with the soft rules of society obligating me to do it. You know, I just said all that stuff. And last night I was at a farmer's market and bought a big old piece of tiramisu. Mm. Nice. Yeah, that's mostly coffee, though. See, every so once in a while, yeah, <laughs> mostly coffee. You got to reward yourself. I feel, I feel that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we all in the United States and abroad, we all continually run into sweet things, right? And the basis of those sweet things, most of the time, is sugar. But what is sugar? Why, it's a simple carbohydrate, Ben. It's responsible for that sweet taste in all those foods that you dearly beloved. Why is it called a carbohydrate, Matt? Well, simple. It's because it's got carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Oh. Well, let's talk, uh, let's talk in terms of calories. So one teaspoon of white sugar has about 16 calories, about four per gram, and it gives you that quick boom, that snap, uh, that snap, crackle, pop? That ramalama ding dong. That ramalama ding dong. See? Oh, no. See? Oh, I was no. laying the groundwork. It worked. Uh, it gives you that quick dose of energy so your body can process, and your body can process it faster than complex carbohydrates or proteins. But, friends and neighbors, be aware if you eat too much sugar, the excess energy may be stored as fat. And remember that part because it's very important later. But sugar isn't just a sweetener. Right. It's also uh, a super useful preservative. So, for example, sugar um, helps to hinder the growth of bacteria in jam. Um, it can also be used as a bulking agent or an additive to food that uh, gives certain kinds of textures. Um, and sometimes even it's added to accelerate fermentation or to change uh, the boiling or freezing point of a particular dish. I want to talk about uh, fermentation uh, we gotta get into beer really fast. Yeah. I had no idea how much sugar was in beer. Until, oh yeah. Yeah, until I, I really got into IPAs for a little bit there. And there was a list that came out in, I think 2013, maybe 2012, that was looking at specifically the Bigfoot Sierra Nevada beer, uh-huh. which was one of my favorites. And the thing, it was like eating a slice of cake every, every beer you had. Ugh. No bueno. That's true. Even the beer that is advertised as light will have a higher, high, uh, have a level of sugar involved that might surprise people. Cause it's how you make it. Right. Right. Fermentation. Uh, so when we hear the word sugar, most of us probably think of 
table sugar, you that, know, that white stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the crystalline, insanely sweet thing we buy at grocery stores. But the truth is there are multiple kinds of sugars. Uh, we have a couple of examples here too. Fructose. This stuff is found in all kinds of fruits. You can find it in honey as well. My personal favorite, galactose, because it sounds like it comes from space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's actually found in uh, milk and also dairy products. And then there's good old glucose, which you find in honey, fruits, and vegetables. It is a good friend of fructose, uh, that old glucose. You also got lactose, again, coming from milks. You can also find, uh, or you can also make this from glucose and galactose, which is fun. Then you have maltose, or maltose, uh, found in barley, malt. Mm-hmm. Sucrose, which is made up of glucose and fructose and found in plants. And last but not least, the absolute best, xylose, found in wood or straw. Why do you like that one? Yeah, why so, is that the, so what makes well. it the best? Because it's xylose. It's it not like a transformer or something. Yeah, yeah. Why are you a xylose supremacist, man? Well. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yes, besides, besides beets and Sugarcane, sugar can also be derived from honey, and a lot of fruits like dates or coconuts uh, and tree saps can also be sources of sugar. And this table sugar stuff, let's just call it grocery store sugar, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's called sucrose, and it comes from sugar beets or sugar cane. And sucrose appears in all these other plants, too, along with uh, some of the other people you heard from our greatest hits just a second ago, glucose and fructose. And it's actually in every plant since sugar and oxygen are products of photosynthesis. But unlike sugar beets and sugar cane, uh, a lot of other plants don't produce sucrose in a large enough quantity to harvest. So it's more like a trace thing. So the sugar we're going to discuss today is mostly going to be derived from those sugar beets and that sugar cane, which is probably the one you may have heard of the most. That's when I think of sugar, I think of sugar cane. Um, I, and I'm not really sure why. I don't know what pop culture reference taught me about sugar cane as a kid. Well, there's a Sonic Youth song called Sugar Cane. Maybe. I like your sugar cane. I'm standing in the rain. Very nice. So, so thank you, Noel. Um, so these sugar beets are grown throughout the world in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, parts of North Africa and South America. Then sugarcane, on the other hand, you need a tropical climate. You need semi-tropical climate, something that's nice and warm and wet. And it's grown in the southern United States, South America, Africa, South Asia, and also the South Pacific. Hold on. Hold on, let's okay. let's stop this train for one second. We would be remiss if we didn't mention something that I, I know you're thinking about already, ladies and gentlemen. High fructose corn syrup, <gasps> HFCS. As its name implies, this stuff comes from corn. Spoiler. Not sugar cane uh, or beets. It was created in the 1960s, and it's an additive now found in so many processed foods, including a boatload of sodas. Uh, it's become popular for food manufacturers because it's cheaper than the table sugar. Uh, it's also pretty controversial because people believe it contributes to obesity and that the body treats this mix of uh, this specific kind of fructose mix uh, differently so, than ordinary sugar. Yeah, yeah. And you'll hear all kinds of stuff about it. If you go to the sugar lobby, they're going to tell you that it's essentially glucose with a little more fructose mm-hmm. than regular corn syrup. Yeah. I think the mix is like 55% uh, fructose to 45% glucose, something like that. And then regular corn syrup is almost all glucose. Right. Yeah. It's not... It, 
when they say hi, they just mean more than half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we have all, we have this wealth of, uh, sugars, this wealth of sweet opportunities. How much do we eat in the U.S.? Funny you should ask that. I have a, a stat right here in front of me. The per capita consumption of refined sugar in the United States of America has uh, swung between 27 and 46 kilograms, 60 uh, and 101 pounds, respectively, in the last 40 years, um, according to data from the United States. In 08, people were consuming over 60 pounds, 28 kilograms, of added sugar per year. And this does not include fruit juices, which, as we know, contains its own share. Right, yeah. And today, the U.S. is the number one sugar consumer. And these recent statistics, uh, just to give a sense of perspective over time, indicate that the average person consumes about 126.4 grams daily. Uh, this This can fluctuate over time, and we should probably make a note about the danger of averages. This country is huge. It's We're talking about a population of almost 320 million people. Uh, 318.9 mm-hmm. as of 2014. Yeah. Uh, but when we have a sample size that large, what that means is, depending on the methodology of this average, that means there could be someone who just somehow eats a negligible amount of sugar yes. all year. And there could be someone who eats six times the daily dosage every single day, you know? Yeah, because if, if we look at the caloric intake of 126.4 grams of sugar, it's roughly 505. I mean, this is going to be a little off. Let's say over 500 calories per day of just sugar. It's crazy, man. And you can find some great statistics on sugar consumption in the U.S. as well as sugar consumption in the rest of the world. So... If we take that other number, 126.4 grams uh, per day in the United States, the next runner up would be Germany with 102.9 grams. So still, still pretty high up there. And then if we go down to the bottom, uh, in India, for instance, people will have only 5.1 grams of sugar per day. So there's a lot of variance here across, uh, across the world, but we get closer, closer to the, the twist here. How much should we eat? That's a great question. Well, the World Health Organization has some opinions. Uh, they recommend that you have less than 10% of your total energy intake from free sugars. It's the equivalent to about 50 grams, around 12 level teaspoons for a person of healthy body weight consuming about 2,000 calories a day. But ideally, it should be less than 5% and you would have additional health benefits. This is tricky because a lot of stuff that you don't think would have a lot of sugar in it is just inundated with this. It's, it's lousy with the stuff everywhere. Exactly. And 50 grams. Yes. A day. Yes. That's like a pile. That's like a massive mountain of sugar. If you think about it visually. Yeah, it, it is. But then you think about how much we're actually eating. Like 126 is the average grams. 
I mean, that's, it's insane. Well, probably it, largely because of its, maybe its preservative qualities. So like if you eat like microwave meals, for example, it's got mm-hmm. sugar in it mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think that my lasagna would have sugar in it, but it's in there because it's helping to preserve the frozen food. Well, yeah. And, and specifically the WHO is talking about free sugars here. Yes. That, that phrase free sugars is very important. We're not talking about fruits. We're not talking about anything that has naturally occurring sugars. Um, it's sugars that's added in a production, right? Right. Added to food or drinks by the manufacturer or the cook uh, or even the consumer. Because, you know, to each their own when it comes to eating habits. A lot of people yeah. will just pour sugar on stuff, I'm sure. Got to take that coffee black, man. It's the only way. Acqu- yes. According to the American Heart Association, the maximum amount of added sugars you should eat per day are, for men, 150 calories per day. That's 37.5 grams or nine teaspoons. Okay. Not too bad. For women, it's 100 calories per day or 25 grams, six teaspoons. We've been talking about a lot of numbers here. So let's put all these numbers into perspective. Noel, I love that you pointed out that is a pile, if you imagine it visually. So one 12-ounce can of Coke, Coca-Cola, for instance, contains 140 calories from sugar. A regular Snickers bar, regular size, contains 120 calories from sugar. God. So... One soda a day, if you're a dude, according to the American Heart Association, already puts you like close to your limit. That's so upsetting to me. I think, you know what? I think that's why after working here, I stopped drinking sugary sodas. Yeah, that was a big deal for me. Um, I just switched to, uh, soda water, like LaCroix or, mm-hmm. you know, San Pellegrino or whatever. Oh yeah. And, um, that satisfied my craving for the bubbles. I really mm-hmm. like the bubbles. I find it very refreshing, but I, I just literally don't drink soda ever. If maybe I rarely go to a fast food restaurant, I might get a Coke with my fries and my burger, but mm-hmm. I mean, maybe twice a month. Wow. Yeah. I also used to drink it quite frequently, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I had an amicable breakup with soda. We're still friends, you know, we might, we might hang out once a month or something, but <laughs> We're not going to live together anymore. Yeah, I've got a really bad relationship with uh, aspartame now. Oh, Sucralose. Yeah. All the other, the weird one. What is it? Uh, xylitol? Xylitol, yes. The, and this is without even touching on artificial sweeteners. We want to give you these numbers just from these various types of sugar, not even counting artificial sweeteners. And I'm glad you pointed that out, Matt, uh, because we want to paint the picture of just how popular this substance is, mm-hmm. how um, how much it permeates the the food market, uh, especially in the U.S., but in other places as well. Well, how do we get to the place that we are currently? So glad you asked. And we're going to talk about that right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Once upon a time, more than 5,000 years ago, Polynesians used sugarcane as a sweetener and the substance eventually made it to India, and from India it spread westward, aided by pillaging and trade uh, that came with the conquest of Darius the Persian Emperor and Alexander the Great, who overthrew the Persian Empire, and who, by the way, died when he was only 32. So let's fast forward to 1493. Cristobal Colon, otherwise known street name Christopher Columbus, brought sugarcane to the Caribbean, and it was a perfect environment for growing this crop. The fertile ground led to the development of a massive sugarcane industry in what they called the New World. Over the next few centuries, plantations sprouted up throughout the Caribbean, the West Indies, and South America, and they were fueling sugar. They were also fueling the slave trade. These two trades were inextricably uh, intertwined. During these years, sugar finally became cheap enough to be accessible to most Europeans, and until then, it had been considered a luxury. And do you know what they called it? White gold. 
for real. They called it white gold. That's what the British colonists called it. And it was the engine of the slave trade and brought millions of, uh, millions of people from Africa to the Americas beginning in the early 16th century, like think like 1505. Mm-hmm. And this means that the history of every nation in the Caribbean, much of South America and parts of the southern United States have been forever shaped by sugarcane plantations uh, that were started as cash crops by European superpowers. Now, it's crazy to think about how much money was generated here for the owners of these companies that were producing it, the uh, the different farm owners. There's a lot of money going around. And that profit was so significant that it may have even actually helped America achieve independence from Great Britain because it allowed money to buy the stuff that's required to start a war. You know, I have in my head this this idea that if if there was a way to do it without just atrocious chattel slavery it would be kind of cool to have your profession as sugar tycoon you know they those exist don't they they do they do in the present day the, uh, that's right what's the what's the massive company there there's a huge company that gets crazy subsidies in the US it's the one that's in all the stores the grocery store sugar that we always talk about is it dixie dixie Right? No. Dixie? There's got to be a tycoon at the end of that tunnel. Yeah, it's Dixie Sugar. There's, I'm sure there are others, Ben. They're out there. Yeah, in the big bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look for, look for it in the big bag. Dixie Sugar. Is your blood pressure too low? <laughs> sugar. I love uh, that. Look for it in the giant bag. <laughs> for it in the giant bag. Uh, from 1792 to 1815, there were near constant wars consuming much of Europe. British naval blockades forced Europe to look for an alternative to cane sugar. And the eventual solution they found was the sugar beet. And since this period, Europe has gotten much of its sugar from beets. So let's look at it today. Despite the evidence that too much sugar can have damaging and deleterious effects, it remains immensely popular around the globe. We are literally on a primal level wired to love this stuff. Uh, you know, our ancestors or even things that came before us, uh, you naturally associate a sweet sensation or taste with something being safe to eat. Yeah, yeah. If it's bitter, you don't want to eat it. If it's sweet, that means the bugs are probably attracted to it and they eat it. Right? That, isn't that kind of how it went? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so here's some examples of the bad things that can happen related to sugar intake. First, let's start with diabetes. As of 2015, 29.1 million people or 9.3% of the U.S. population have diabetes. And that's diagnosed. Undiagnosed would say 8.1 million people. Wow. And about a third of the people who have diabetes are undiagnosed. Obesity, this is a stereotype that comes into play with the U.S., uh, which if you're not, if you haven't ever visited here, I, I promise you, it's, it's a pretty cool place. You'll, you'll have fun. It's great. Not all the stereotypes are true. More than two thirds or 68.8% of adults are considered, uh, by the government to be qualified as either overweight or obese. Um, more than one third 35.7% of adults are considered to be obese. And then you can see, you can see the stats here. One of the biggest killers of any American, regardless of genet- genetic history, creed, age, et cetera, is heart disease. 
It is the leading cause of death for both men and women in this country, uh, about one in every four deaths. And it's the most common type of heart disease is coronary heart disease, CHD. Uh, in 2014, it killed about 365,000 people. Jeez. In this country, someone has a heart attack every 42 seconds. And each minute, someone dies from a heart disease-related event. And, of course, cavities. Curse you, soda. Jeez. So this is, this is bad. Sugar is bad. Sugar is, is leading to this stuff. Sugar definitely plays a role. It would be irresponsible for us to put everything at the feet of sugar. Sure. But it definitely, it definitely plays a role. And now our question is, just how bad is this stuff? And how did we start eating so much of it? Can I say it, Ben? Can I? Yeah, take it for a spin. Here's where it gets crazy. No, I can't. You do it. (laughs) You do it. You do it. Here's where it gets crazy. In September of 2016, three doctors released a paper in the Journal of the American Medical Association, or, since we're fans of acronyms, JAMA. Jumbo. (laughs) (laughs) So, J-A-M-A. Yes, so JAMA. Uh, this this paper was called Sugar Industry and Coronary Heart Disease Research, colon, a historical analysis of internal industry documents. And this paper revealed frightening evidence of a cover-up, not a conspiracy theory. Oh, friends and neighbors, no, a real-life conspiracy. We finally got one. <laughs> right. Uh, here's what happened. So there was evidence that sugar had had a role to play in CHD, coronary heart disease. We know it now, but other people knew it back in the 1950s. Yes. The industry and the people that they were paying to research knew it. Mm-hmm. And things were not looking so good for the sugar manufacturers. The science showed that what they were selling and the way they were selling it was potentially very dangerous. So they took action they came clean and told the public that they would be responsible and they would, uh, they would work with the FDA to restrict, uh, unreasonable amounts of sugar. I'm kidding. <laughs> Instead, they, uh, they had a trade organization that was called, get this, the Sugar Research Foundation. Sounds legit. Yeah. What did they do? Well, they, uh, they went ahead and paid a group of three Harvard scientists, the equivalent of about $50,000 in today's dollars, which is not a bad salary, to publish a review of research on sugar in 1967, looking at uh, sugar, fat, and heart disease. How do these all go together? Mm. And uh, what are the causes? What are the What types of cholesterol are affected? Right. And we can also, we should explain, uh, review of research is sort of an anthology kind of thing. They they collect different papers that have been written on a, a subject or a group of subjects or theme. The studies used in this review of research were handpicked by the Sugar Research Foundation. And they also, through their influence, had an article published in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine. They sponsored this article. Uh, it was a literature review uh, that singled out fat and cholesterol as the causes of CHD. Uh, and they also downplayed evidence that sucrose consumption was playing a role. They were, they were like, ah, you gotta watch out. It was fats. And they did not disclose that they uh, sponsored this. Yeah, that's one of the big things. They also set the objective 
So they, they pretty much told the researchers what they were going to find. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, hint, hint. Yeah. And they got drafts that they worked over and had editorial influence on. And the whole thing happened undercover. Essentially, what they ended up producing was somewhere between a hit piece and an advertisement in an insidious way. So, Ben, just to clarify, is this something along the lines of a lobby? Spot on. Well, that's, uh, that's a great, that's a great point. So let's say that the three of us are sugar tycoons. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Just took a different path in life. And now here we are. Instead of smoking cigars, we all suck on lollipops. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. And we all have very bright colored suits. I think I would go for a Willy Wonka vibe. Oh, I like the it. original movie adaptation, not the, uh, not the new one. I'm going full penguin. You're going full penguin. Where where are you going, Noel? I don't, I'll just wear my civvies. You just wear your civvies? Mm-hmm. You're the, Not you, my skivvies. You're the everyday tycoon. I mean, everyday sugar tycoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Well, the three of us say, well, we need some, we, we will have power in numbers and we will join, uh, we will join our finances to fund a trade organization that will represent us. And this trade organization can do lobbying on our behalf with legislatures. You know, like here are, if we want favorable tax breaks in a district, if we want uh, some consideration or uh, special prices on loans for building infrastructure, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it has potential to be very, very damaging. But how does a, a, a group such as ours get in such cahoots with what's supposed to be an independent review like the uh the jamma money ah, money yes <laughs> you Mo- throw money at it mm-hmm. because this goes back to some of the stuff we discussed with Edward Bernays what Bernays did that was so brilliant was he realized that if people thought they were getting unbiased medical advice then they would be more likely to follow it than they would the instructions of a, of a transparent ad, right? It's insidious. It's a bait and switch. And it worked really well. Arguably it works today. So the sugar industry kept going. They didn't just do this one paper. They didn't do just this one area. They sponsored a research program in the sixties and into the seventies that continually cast doubt about the hazards of sucrose. Like, Oh, sugar is, I mean, Okay, don't eat too much sugar, but guys, really, fat's the dangerous one here. Fat's the problem here. Yeah, the the sugar industry, I'm reading from uh, that link, Ben, the Sugar Industry and Coronary Heart Disease Research mm-hmm, paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the industry would spend $600,000 at the time, which is now $5.3 million, to teach people, quote, who had never had a course in biochemistry that sugar is what keeps every human being alive with energy to face our daily problems. It just sounds so happy. Put a little pep in your step with sugar. And, <laughs> and ultimately what they're doing is they're, they're fighting for market share, mm-hmm. right? And when you think about market share, I'm going to use a video game example. Uh, right now on consoles, there would be the Xbox, the PlayStation, the what, the Nintendo, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, the Nintendo Switch and a bunch of other ones, console or uh, non-console games like on a PC or something or Mac. But each of those has a certain percent of the market share, right? Well, in this case, for these sugar industry people, their market share is what people put in their bodies as food, right? In the entirety of food. 
And mm-hmm. so by reducing or making you afraid of fat, they're going to increase overall the market share of the, the food overall, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. And this is not to, this is not to say that ex- consuming excessive amounts of fat is good for you. No, not necessarily. Let's also not forget the old food pyramid, which the tippy tip tip top contains fats, oils, and confectionery, or that's what they're calling it now, mm-hmm. which is, would be sugar. So if they're in a battle with the minds of the public in terms of like, well, I can only have a little of, of fats or sugar, which one do I perceive as being better or worse for me? Which one am I going to choose? So that's, it's like a, it's a psychological battle wherein these sugar folks are hoping that you will choose sugar because it's perceived to be less harmful and fat sort of gets the, gets thrown under the bus. Mm-hmm. And then as we know over time, fat's been determined to be, there are good fats and there are yes. fats that are good to have as part of your diet. Um, and then, you know, uh, sh- I think becomes out on top. Yes. That's sweet. Well said and a and great point bringing in the food pyramid, which could be, it's a podcast all its own. I, I think Dude. when we get to that, uh, where are we now? We're telling you, uh, the story of something that actually happened, like no ifs, ands or buts, no allegations, no rumors. People planned in a, in a sweet smoky back room to beguile and mislead the U.S. public, and they did so successfully. So where does this leave us now? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. First off, you might be wondering, hey, Matt, hey, Ben, hey, Noel. Yes? What happens to the... uh? The SRF. The SRF? Well, it hit the fan, Ben. <laughs> it, it hit uh, It hit the name fan because yes. that trade group is still around today under a different name. It's called the Sugar Association. And they have a fancy website if you're interested. Go, I am. Go check it out. Um, there's lots of information in there. Yeah, you checked it out? I did. I spent a little too much time on there today, and I wanted a donut. <laughs> And here's the other thing. It's bigger than sugar and it's bigger than a single historical incident, right? And I'm not casting any aspersion on the current sugar association. Sure. Because we don't, I don't have, you know, evidence to do that. I'm sure that the same people who were working there in the sixties, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're not working there now in 2017. Probably correct. Probably correct. I feel safe with that one. But why is it bigger than sugar? It's bigger than sugar because private food manufacturers continue to influence nutrition guidelines today. And it's happening now, perhaps more than you think. So be very careful when you hear those new alarmist pieces about what's good or what's bad for you. We've joked about it before. It seems like every week, every month, there's some sort of cycle of coffee will make you live longer and be smarter when you're elderly or coffee will kill you somehow right mm-hmm. i like the ones about tequila <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll just leave that one there no apparently like you know you, you see studies about saying like a glass of wine is good for your heart or like uh, now they're saying tequila is, is good for you I, I hadn't heard this one <laughs> i'm gonna have to go buy a bottle i guess <laughs> yeah for your health yeah very health conscious uh yeah and then it can apply also to sodas right sure. beverage manufacturers it can apply to um, pork manufacturers. It's it's kind of tough to see to to figure out a food where this would not apply. You know? Yeah, I, I can not find one. Yeah, and I was thinking about all the different kinds of berries that oh, yeah. are great for you, but they do have a lot of naturally occurring sugar, right? Which is fine, I and, guess. 
and the thing is that ultimately the best, the best process to take is if you hear, Oh, um, like what's a random vegetable? Mm, artichoke. Oh, it turns out that artichokes give you these vast superior powers of hearing or whatever. Sweet. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, or if you hear something that's, that's very bad, like, is all cancer related to consuming Cheez-Its? Those are both pretty unrealistic cartoonish headlines. But the point is, your best process is to, is to take that. And before you share it around with people, before you start go, going to throw out all your Cheez-Its or buy all yeah. the artichokes in your town, figure out who wrote it. Do and, that old fake news thing that we talked about. Turns out that thing I said about tequila, not not true. Not true. Oh, really? Yeah. Snopes says mostly false. Oh. Wait, wait. So partially true. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, artichoke is a flower. So, guys, I don't need to bust all this. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that just makes the headline even more cartoonish. (laughs) So, the answers you find might surprise you. There might be a situation where you see a very strange sort of anonymous sounding blah name blase mm-hmm. name where uh we go oh all right well this was according you know this is according to the um the committee for the committee for accuracy in grain related health and then you do some searching on them and you go oh they're owned by uh you know some rival to cheese it's right yeah they're owned by like orville redenbacher or something <gasps> uh but the the point here is that this stuff, this stuff can have the appearance of unbiased quantitative data and it's not always true. I have to ask you guys, what do you think about the state of, I guess the state of mass produced food here in the U.S.? That's what I wanted to talk about. I, I feel like we're at this weird point in history in this country where we are pushing back towards manufactured foods. Not that we're not purchasing them anymore or consuming them. We are pushing back with, with the organic movement and trying to move away from this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's unfortunately, it feels like to me at least, something that can't truly come to fruition because we have so many humans that we need to feed. So many animals we need to feed to feed the humans. And we're going to have to continue to process this stuff. And sugar is a pretty ideal source of calories. I mean, it really is. If you just need to get calories and energy to move and function, then it seems like it's a no-brainer that we need sugar and we should keep eating it. And talking about this makes me wonder one: how many times we've said the word sugar in this episode, and does anybody else have a craving now that we've spent this long examining this? Uh, sugar, sugar. Sugar! Honey, honey. <laughs> I'm done. I thought that was good. How what was the, how did the riff go that we were doing earlier? Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. Sugar. <laughs> awesome, fantastic, guys. Uh, the the point here, of course, is is not to vilify sugar. And yes, what these people did in the sixties and seventies for this particular instance were in the wrong. Uh, the point is just to just to do our best to be aware of this stuff. And it can be challenging. You know, we live in a place where a lot of very large companies have bought up a bunch of things. You know, you might be surprised uh, how many uh, 
seemingly different products in your local grocery store are ultimately owned by one corporation, right? Even products that seem to compete. Uh, this amount of influence and power can be leveraged in unexpected and surprising ways. I think I'm going to, uh, I might, I don't know, I might drink a soda. Don't do it. You're right. What, what you, what you can do right now is go to sugar.org and look at the member companies and you can find yourself a whole list here of sugar tycoons. We've got Domino Sugar, which is now, I guess, the American Sugar Refining Incorporated. Mm-hmm. There's Amalgamated Sugar Company. Is Imperial Sugar on there? Imperial Sugar is most definitely on here. Do you remember that insane fire at the Imperial Sugar Refinery in Savannah that, um, sent a bunch of people to the burn unit like it was a whole disaster no sugar dust and it created all kinds of new uh, interest and regulations about sugar manufacturing because apparently sugar dust is incredibly flammable and it can collect on eaves and beams in the building and there it's combustible so one little poof and it can you know be all over um so this is 2008 when this happened yeah i was working for Georgia Public Radio at the time, and the most advanced burn unit uh, in the area was in Augusta, um, where I was based, and so we covered that story pretty extensively. It was um, it was a big, huge, huge deal. Man, I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at it online. Um, check it out. It's called the 2008 Georgia Sugar Refinery Explosion. And this concludes our episode, but of course, not our show. We hope that you enjoyed what we explored today. Uh, we also hope that if you want to learn more about sugar, you avail yourself of our parent website, How Stuff Works, which has a, a pretty, pretty solid uh, article on how sugar works. There's also stuff in there about how fructose corn syrup works. Mm-hmm. Uh, bun- I, there's a whole branching set of articles you can get to. You are invited officially, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, to fall down a sugar rabbit hole with us. <laughs> as well as to the other podcasts, our sister and brother podcasts that exist here at How Stuff Works. And I also like to take this opportunity to plug a new podcast that uh, a friend of the show, Lauren Vogelbaum, who's been on talking about diamonds, mm-hmm. um, is on now called Food Stuff that just launched uh, today, the, the day that we're recording this, Wednesday, March the 1st. Uh, their first episode is about champagne and sparkling wine, and uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Yes. Uh, check it out. They'll also have uh, some videos coming out. And you know what? That diamond episode holds up. It really does. It holds up in a frightening and terrifying way. <laughs> and I just have to quickly mention that Annie is also on this producer, Annie, who worked on Stuff Mom Never Told You mm-hmm. for its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's now on this show. Behind the mic. Yeah. Like me, making the jump from producer to performer yes but she's a paid actor already so she's gonna be awesome and we think that if you like our show you will love this one so check us out check it out food stuff you can find it wherever you find our podcast and let us know what you think they're also pretty cool people if you have an idea for an episode they should cover in the future write in let them know there's a lot of weird food stuff out there there is uh and speaking of listener mail I think it's time for shout out corners. Our first shout out comes from Lorenzo from Sweden. He says, Hey, I'm listening to your podcast while I work. So here's a story that they don't want you to know. And it's alchemy related. 
the anatomical machines of Sanservo Chapel. Never heard of this. These things exist and are exhibited in Naples, Italy. If you visit this chapel in the underground chamber, they are located... Uh, probably the most famous anatomical machines. These are, these are not early robots or something similar. They are skeletons of a man and woman in an upright position. The artery and vein systems are almost in perfect condition. Just want to really quick, this sounds like, what's the human exhibit? The human bodies? Bodies? Bodies. bodies. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm already seeing in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, these machines were made by the Dr. Giuseppe Salermo of Palermo. Uh, under the d- direction of this other guy with the discovery of deeds and notes, it's possible that these things were created in 1763 or 64. That is a long time ago. What makes it even more interesting, interesting is that until now, scientists have no idea which procedures or materials were used to make these things, um, to obtain such an exceptional preservation of the circulatory system. And he's left a place where we can go and learn more about it. That's, yeah. I'm going to go check that out as soon. I'm going to go check that out. And I already feel the rabbit hole opening there. A mystery is afoot. And thank you for writing in, Lorenzo. Our next shout out, this one is a, this one's a little bit long, but I'm, so I'm going to read, uh, selected parts of it, if that's cool. Cool. Our second shout out today is a little bit longer. I'm going to read just some excerpts of it from Nightbringer 2000. Nightbringer 2000 says, I just finished listening to your Did the U.S. Abandon Soldiers in Vietnam War episode and reminded me of a story I heard from a friend of the family that was in Vietnam. Prompted me to write in was the part where you discussed the possibility that perhaps some soldiers were left behind because release or return home could implicate the U.S. being involved in war crimes. To me, this seems plausible for some individuals who didn't return home based on the story I'm about to share. And he says he... he, Granted, it's only hearsay for him, but he believes that this person was telling the truth. And here's the story. At one point during a service in Vietnam, as they were pushing inland, they were in a valley. At the top of the inland side of the valley was a village that they were tasked with securing. Because the dense jungle terrain and uh, the defending Vietnamese had an elevation advantage, their unit, the U.S. unit, was having a lot of difficulty even progressing toward the village, let alone securing it. They tried for several days but were unable to gain any ground, and finally the officer in charge conceded that they weren't going to secure the village without additional help. He made a call to his superiors, informing them of the situation, and was told assistance would be sent and that they would need to hold the ground for a couple more days. After a few days, they get word that helicopters are coming and they need to secure a landing zone. When the helicopters arrive, only a small squad of six to eight soldiers get out. His friend doesn't know if these are Navy SEALs, Delta Force, Force Recon, or some other Special Forces unit. He supposed they might have even been mercenaries, but they were definitely not regular infantry. They weren't wearing fatigues, they didn't have name tags, they did not identify nor introduce themselves. They only talked briefly to the highest ranking officer in the area. So... They're talking about, you know, the the soldiers were understandably upset because they thought, how are these six to eight guys going to help us? And then one of the special forces guys overhears the overhears the folks arguing about it. And he walks over and interjects with a comment along the lines of, you guys have been here, what, two weeks and you couldn't take this hill. So they have to fly our asses out there to cover you and do your job. We're going to take this hill in one night. And then you guys are going to feel real extra stupid. And he walks away. 
Fast forward to once it starts getting dark, these special forces guys are packing it in to go. He says once it's dark, they all disappear into the jungle and what becomes an otherwise uneventful night. The next morning, as daylight's dawning, they come walking down the hill into camp. They tell the first group of infantrymen, the village is yours. Now these guys are pretty confused because they hadn't heard a single shot the night before. The special ops guys go report to the commanding officer. Uh, the commanding officer tells them to pack up and proceed to the village. They're expecting resistance, so they're easing their way up to the hill carefully. No resistance to the village. Once they got there, it was silent. It appeared empty. He said a lot of guys were confused, wondering if the villagers had just happened to choose to abandon the village that previous evening. As they started sweeping the village, they were checking huts, and they found the village was not empty or abandoned at all. He said as they went from hut to hut, they found the villagers. The entire village, men, women, and children, all dead. It appeared that most, if not all, died from knife wounds, with a lot of them having slashed throats, and many of them still in their beds. He doesn't know exactly what happened that night, but the thought and talk amongst the regular infantrymen is that the special forces guys must have silently killed the guards and then went from hut to hut and killed the villagers while they were sleeping. He said there were many of dozens of people in the village, all of them dead, after a single night and not a shot heard. He said this is the most disturbing thing he's ever seen and that he'll never forget it. So, wow. So this is talking about a war crime. And this is why, according to Nightbringer 2000, he believes it's completely plausible that some people would have been left behind if they were compromised in the execution of an operation like this. This is scary, scary stuff. Thank you for writing to us, Nightbringer. And, and folks, I, I know that one was uh, a little bit longer than normal, but try to edit it a little for time. And uh, we think it's an important story. It's uh, pretty grisly. I'll say that. And on a, uh, to end on a slightly less uh, gruesome note, we have a shout-out from Stefan, or Stefan, from Melbourne, Australia. He says, Hi, guys. A massive fan of the show. Absolutely love it. Request a shout-out to my girlfriend, Chris, Cristala. Cristala. Hmm, what do you think? Cristala. We hope we got it right, Stefan, or Stefan. Shout-out. Gosh, we're really butchering this one. Um, I would love to hear more episodes on the following topics. UFOs and aliens, check. WW2 Nazi conspiracies, would love to do that, mm. such as the Nazi bell ship. Are you aware of that one, Ben? Oh, yes. yes. This is the idea, uh, this, this is the idea that the Nazi party discovered, uh, an energy that essentially changed the rules of gravity and that it was a, a, bell-shaped object that was either used to produce this or was itself the vehicle. Hmm. Nazi bell. Interesting. Uh, and then finally, one that we've been talking about a lot lately, ghosts and paranormal activity. Um, I would say chances are good to get something on every single one of those at some point this year. Yeah, yes. we haven't done a full Nazi bell when we did magic. No, we didn't. We haven't done audio podcasts on any of this stuff. We haven't, have we? We're, we're going to go back through. We're going to do all this stuff. You're going to love it, Stefan and Cristala. Shout out. Cristala. Stefan. Stefan. Thank you so much for writing in with those excellent topic recommendations. Uh, and I can't believe that we forgot to do those. That's great. Uh, and this concludes. How cool is it that there are people in Melbourne listening to us? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thank you. We appreciate your time. I'd love to go visit there sometime. Absolutely. So if you want to write to us, you have anything to share, a comment, a, an opinion about something, or a story you'd like to weave that maybe we'll say on the show, mm -hmm. 
or something your fellow listeners need to know, uh, then you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. We're Conspiracy Stuff at the first two, Conspiracy Stuff Show at the third one. And you can check out every single audio episode that Noel, Matt, and I have ever done on our website. Deep breath. Stuff they don't want you to know.com. Boom. You got it. Hey, and this is, you know, we're going to keep doing this until we get to April. But guess what? We will be performing live in New York City on April 8th this year. It's so hard not to just yell New York City. I know. I know. Accent. It's a Saturday. It's an early show. It's at 1 p.m. And it's in Brooklyn at the, the Bell House is mm-hmm. the name of the bar mm-hmm. and venue. Not related to the Nazi bell. That's correct. If you go to nycpodfest.com right now, you can get tickets. They're only $12. If you show up in Brooklyn like that day, it'll be $15. So I'd say purchase purchase them in advance. And uh, it's also selling out according to the promoter. But maybe that's just smoke. I don't know. I hope we can get in. Do you think we might not be able to get into our own show? That'd be a total bummer. That would be hilarious. (laughs) Uh, By the way, that show is with Majority Report, which is another podcast and radio show. And who's who's going to be there? Oh, just a little person by the name of Janine Garofalo from Wet Hot American Summer. That's Mm -hmm. how I know. Hey, man. Yeah, sure. She's also in stand-up comedy and was in uh, Mystery Men. Was she in Mystery Men? Mm -hmm. Yep. Along with Tom Waits. I had a massive crush on Janine in the 90s. Sames. Um, we got to keep it cool, though, guys, okay? Yeah, everybody play it cool. Don't embarrass me! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you can see us. Uh, we have so many questions now ending. Will you meet the guys in New York? Will we be able to uh, behave and not turn into <laughs> fanboys around childhood crushes? Will we be back next week? Spoiler alert, the answer is yes. See and in the meantime, if you want to contact us, but you don't play the social media rigmarole game, then you can email us directly. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.